I was going up a fairly steep trail through these uh, aspens, and something happened where Danny got loose, and he turned around and ran all the way down the trail again. <laughs> and he had these big saddle painters on. So all the stuff is just getting blasted around on trees. And I just took off running down this trail again, you know, like till the point where you've got no breath, nothing left, and you're, you know, cursing life, chasing after this mule. And eventually I caught him down at the bottom where we'd been, you know, where we'd started from. So we'd gone all the way up <laughs> over some big period of time, and then he turned right back around and he just pinballed all my stuff <laughs> across these trees. So by the time I got him, I was spitting mad. And then I had to lead him back up the hill like Sisyphus, you know, like picking up all my crap, like as that I you just blasted apart, you know. I just, I, I was, I was not happy at that particular moment. This is Ride of Passage. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Chapter Nine, Sisyphus. In Greek myth, the human Sisyphus is punished by the gods for cheating death. He is awarded a life of eternal pain and suffering, enduring the physical and mental fatigue of an unending task. Zeus orders that Sisyphus push a boulder up a mountainside. But as he is about to push the rock over the crest of the mountain, the boulder breaks free from his grip and rolls back to the base of the mountain. And Sisyphus must begin again. Matt Parker had, in many ways, cheated death at the hooves of the Arabian stallion Achilles. The pain in his broken back joined him in the Rockies, where new pains accumulated. Also joining Matt and Danny the Mule was a new horse that trainer Oli Lindgren had helped secure in Utah. Her name was Littleface. She was shorter than Smokey, with a lower center of gravity and wider stance to get up onto the Grand Mesa and through the Colorado Rockies. This golden caramel mare with a flaxen mane was the matriarch of the herd, and she shone with the sun. She was a Missouri foxtrotter. They're very sure-footed, and they are a bit more rugged than your average sort of flatland uh, gated horse. Um, and she was well-trained, and she ended up being just a, a really good partner on the trail. But she wasn't Matt's. Little Face would be on loan from a neighbor of horseman Ole Lindgren in central Utah, and she would only be with him until Matt could find the right replacement for Smokey. Oli would keep his eye out and search for a safe mount with the right personality for the trail. For as much as it would seem that finding a horse for a cross-country horseback journey would be of great import, Matt's mind and body were otherwise occupied. The slow pace through the Colorado Rockies and into the plains of Kansas gave rise to all manner of intrusive thoughts. And it just became this, this downward spiral 
for me, like I wasn't moving as fast as I wanted to. And it just seemed to be lots of mistakes piled on top of lots of mistakes and a lot of pain. The mistakes and pain and dealing with the pain were the boulders that Matt would effort up this mountainside. There were a few in the Colorado Rockies that would come rolling down on him. The first was a new romantic relationship that began over the winter. It was rooted in the futility of long distance with few modes of communication. There was a degree of sort of romantic heartbreak that was happening, you know, sort of perpetually during that period of time without an end in sight. This was an emotional toll Matt would pay continuously throughout the year. And then there were the small but significant setbacks. Danny the mule got an abscess in one of his hooves. Even though his feet were made out of iron, like, you know, just one grain of sand in the wrong way in the quick of his, of his hoof, and it abscessed and blew out near the, near the top of his hoof. That would require a two-week rest in the Technicolor mountain town of Crested Butte. And then came a pest of another sort, a tick bite and the diagnosis of Rocky Mountain spotted fever. The bacterial infection was new, though ticks were not. Throughout the entire journey, I probably had hundreds of them on me. Crawling, embedded, found on clothing, you know, all, all the whole gamut. And, and so bugs and grossness and ticks and blood and injuries and stuff were just all part of that journey and that experience. Bugs and grossness and blood, they all joined chronic pain and dependence on pain medication and fatigue from heartache. These were the boulders that Matt pushed up the mountain. All of it a distraction from some of the most beautiful terrain America has to offer. Rushing rivers of aquamarines snaking their way between snow-capped mountains and over the craggy castoffs of limestone and shale. Quaking aspen and alpine forests filled the valleys, home to elk, bighorn sheep, mountain goats. You know, the, the, the aspens and, and the mountains of Colorado are, are really gorgeous to behold. Um, my mind was elsewhere, and I wanted to get, you know, down on the, on the flats, like where there was more water, more grass. You know, the, the roads were straighter in some sense. And so I, I was happy to finally come down out of the eastern slope. Like the Rockies were, were more like um, a foe to be vanquished than appreciated, I think. <laughs> so it was just, you know, everything, everything, like my physical health and my mental health were in a really sad state, like a really sorry state during that, during that period. And it, if it wasn't for a few folks that I met on that trail, I mean, things could have gone very differently for me. When Matt, Littleface, and Danny came down out of the mountains, they began their march across the plains. The mountain range became ever smaller behind them, the three-dimensionality of them lost as paints on a canvas. Cold air and high altitude gave way to the exposure of meadow grasses and flat ranch lands. The state line between Colorado and Kansas was an unremarkable divide from prairie land to prairie land. Only the billboards changed. 
hundreds of miles of unchanging terrain spread over weeks and weeks and eroded Matt's morale. His mind and body ached all the way to the central Kansas community of Larned. When I got into Larned, I just was physically, mentally, you know, spiritually, emotionally, I was just just hollowed out. You know, I was tired. Um, at that point, you know, I, I can't even recall how many times I'd had the prescription refilled. Um, but, you know, it was a pretty heavy amount of painkillers at that point, like, you know, a, a heavy amount. When I got to Larned, you know, there was the, the concern of going into withdrawal. There was this personal relationship with a girl who was further east living in Washington, D.C. And that was, you know, one of the darker moments in the trip because I'm thinking, you know, am I doing the right thing? What am I doing with my life? You know, there's just endless, endless questions and no real easy answers. And so that's why I think there was sort of this breakdown period in Larned. And I stayed with a gentleman named Mark Cowell and his wife. And it was really, it was a blessing. Well, I got a call from the police department that there was a young man uh, in town and they really didn't know what to do with him. This is Mark Cowell. And he had asked them if he could pitch a tent in the park and sort of billet his horses there. And they didn't know what to do with that. So they called me mostly, I think, because I had horses. And so uh, I went down to the police department and, uh, you know, he wasn't asking for anything. He was polite. He just said, listen, I just just looking for a place to put my tent up. I just want to go to sleep. I'm, I'm kind of worn out. And he looked it. He looked like he was tired. Uh, and, and he had that look of not just physical tired, but but mentally tired. He was exhausted. And I thought, well, we could do a little bit better than that. The Cowles put Matt and his horses up at their house. They became fast friends. They talked about horses and movies and books. Mark had a great collection of fantasy novels. And they talked about spirituality and faith. Matt felt rejuvenated. It was this wonderful time of learning about Mark and his family and being introduced to all sorts of stuff and having sort of that spiritual counsel was great. I mean, it was, it was, it was like one of the lower points of my life and yet one of like the best learning experiences of my life. A few nights of recovery turned into weeks and then a month. And I feel as though I overstayed my welcome. That's how it feels to me. But they never said it, and, I, and they never implied it, and they were always the most generous people. And had it not been for that sort of generosity, I'm not even sure I would be here. The only thing that was concerning to me, I mean, he was welcome to stay, and, and we, we didn't have any problem with him at all. The only, the only concern that we had was that, you know, if he got too comfortable, you know, it's what he was doing was physically hard. And he had come through such a long journey to get to where he was. You know, you're worried that if he gets too comfortable, he won't finish. You know, it's hard to get back into the things that hurt, you know. So I, I wanted him to be well enough to want to do it because I knew that was going to be that he needed the rest and he needed the respite but he had to want to finish, you know what I mean? 
And uh, I wanted him to get to that place. But also we were watching the weather because <clears throat> while he was welcome to stay, uh, he, you can't ride in the Kansas wind in the winter. Kansas doesn't get as cold as Michigan per se, but the wind, there's nothing to block the wind here. And it's a real issue. There was mounting pressure to get back on the trail, but he also needed to find a replacement for Littleface. While he was in Larned, Matt learned about a horse rescue that had Mustangs in a training program, and they were up for adoption. Maybe this would supply the right partner. None of them were, you know, bomb-proof like my other horses that, I, that I'd worked with and sort of cultivated that with. But I knew that the, there was going to be a sunset to my time with Littleface, and so I was thinking, well, you know, like, I'll try this. Matt picked out a solid-looking, dark-brown gelding with a bold personality and a sturdy build. He had very little experience with Mustangs outside of those that he had seen in the deserts of Nevada and Utah. They're not like regular horses. It's a wild animal. It was born into this world in, in the wilderness, raised by, you know, its mother in the wilderness, and it's never been touched by man. So, For me, they're like feral cats. They are. I mean, like, they look like a horse, but they're not. You know, they're a Mustang. Like, they are... Fearful of people. Fearful of people and and wild, combative, bitey sometimes. Dangerous, yeah. Depending on the situation. So whenever you're working with a Mustang, it's not to say that they couldn't become a perfectly docile horse. Sure, they can. It takes takes a while, but yeah, they certainly can. In this particular instance, I think I was I was pushing the needle a bit. Like, I was just pushing the needle a bit. I knew that I needed to get back in the saddle and, and try to take some more control over what's going on and keep heading east. So um, I rode out of Larned. I got about halfway through the day, and I was riding along of, you know, it's Route 50 there. So I was just planning on getting off of Route 50 as quick as I can and then, and then paralleling on a dirt road, you know, and heading east along the ADT. Um. But at this particular time, I was, you know, off the side of the road in the bar ditch, you know, riding along what is a pretty wide area of grass. And something spooked him. And he just went berserk. Like, he went absolutely berserk. And I held on for what felt like quite a while. Like, there, we had a big rodeo. I wish... I could have seen what that looked like from passing cars on the road because they would have seen me. I eventually steered him because I didn't want him anywhere near the highway. Like the last thing I wanted to do was just get nuked by a semi truck or something like that, you know, going by at 65 miles an hour. So I steered him off into this field, this, this recently plowed field. And he was bucking like a lunatic. You know, like I, I was coming down on the saddle horn. I mean, I bruised parts of my body that you, you'll never find without a mirror. <laughs> and I mean, just really just just getting the crap beaten out of me. Why didn't you jump off? Well, because I didn't want to lose him. Right. And I didn't want and I was looking for a way to get off safely. Right. And I just kept, you know, hanging on. Um, until he gave this really big buck and, and it happened to be right when I was on the way down, he went on the way up and he rocketed me up in the air. Like I remember looking in the air in slow motion and seeing how high I was off the ground and being like, oh, beep, you know, like I'm, this is really, you know, like I'm really high up here. And I fell behind him 
So I was right by his fetlocks on his rear feet, you know, on his rear hooves. And I'm down on the ground, kind of balled up, and I look up, and I can see his beady eye, and he's looking down at me, and he's got, you know, like the wild look in his eyes. And I see his foot cock up like this, and he just looks, and he goes, bap, like right on my kneecap. It was the, that was the most painful injury, I think, on the trip. And then I let go of the reins and he took off. Matt crawled through the grassy ditch, back up to the road where a man in a Honda Civic stopped to help him. They drove back in the direction of the Mustang, who had spilled all of Matt's earthly possessions along the highway like breadcrumbs. A mom and a daughter with a horse trailer had stopped up the road when they saw the Mustang with a saddle spun under its belly, and they had pulled over. So we got a call from Matt, and we, my wife got in one car because we knew we needed both, and I went down and picked up a horse trailer, and uh, she went and got Matt and uh, took him to the hospital, and I went and caught the horses and took him to the vet. I went to the hospital, got some x-rays, and they said, yeah, your patella is cracked, and they gave me a leg immobilizer. And I was thinking, I'm done. Like, I, I'm, I'm just done. Like, I don't have it in me. Matt left the trail to visit his girlfriend while he healed. The physical pain in his knee, back, and hip remained. He was prescribed a stronger narcotic. After a few weeks, a friend persuaded him that he should keep moving forward for the remaining rideable weeks of the year. I went back and I got, got little face. You know, my, my heart wasn't in it. Um, and I was really, I was really burnt out. So I made it east to Osage City, Kansas, and that's where I called it quits for that final riding season. And I got there just before Christmas. So I got to Osage, uh, Kansas, and I started arranging for, for Little Face to be picked up. And I was very depressed. I was very depressed. And... I, I, you know, I just didn't really know what the heck I was going to do. I was basically broke. Um, I hadn't finished the trip. I was giving my horse back. I didn't have another horse. I was thinking, what, like, what am I going to do? And, and Christmas was like right around the corner. And um, to compound it all, the rocket fuel painkillers that I was on ran out. And I, and I was in this little, um, this little motel, sort of in the downtown area. And I was going through hell for like four straight days of withdrawal. Withdrawal, you know, opioid withdrawal is its own, is its own thing. It's, it's, it's its own thing. It manifests, I suppose, differently in everybody else. But for me, it was just, you know, just, you feel... To say it is flu-like symptoms is the, the biggest laughable understatement in the world. I tried to give myself some grace under the, those periods of time to kind of look back and say, well, yeah, the, you know, like your, your body had been through, to, through a lot, but acutely, I was stuck in this hotel room in, in Osage City, Kansas. So right outside Fort Riley, Kansas, 
uh, it was a Greyhound station. And I bought a ticket. That's about the only money I had left. And I took like a, gee whiz, it's like a two and a half day long bus ride back to Ann Arbor. Right around my birthday, I think, just before Christmas. Um, and so I was able to be home, home for Christmas. When Matt returned home, he began a long process of fortifying his body and his mind against all that would await him in the next year. But he was still without a partner. And then on Christmas Day, he got a phone call. It was Ole Lindgren in Anamone, Utah. He'd been working all year on getting the one horse that he knew would be perfect for Matt. And the owner had finally consented. Matt would be joined for the rest of the journey by Silver, the special white Appaloosa that Matt had helped at Oli's place. This horse had also been knocked down and had recovered. He had spirit, and he'd be Matt's partner. That started, you know, a pretty amazing and necessary, worthwhile sometimes very difficult process of of getting my together like again you know to go back out on the trail again of like you know finally getting silver the horse that i kind of wish i'd wished i'd had you know for the entire trip getting him and i ended up doing an awful lot of strength training and um I wean myself off without any help from a, from a doctor. Matt's faith in the ability of doctors to take care of him had eroded. He had taken his prescription painkillers all year and yet still felt pain of all sorts. He was committed to returning to the trail, free of those many boulders that he'd battled up the mountainside. He'd weaned off prescription painkillers. He and his girlfriend had broken up. They were just too young for it to work out, and they were on different journeys. And now he had a new partner, Silver. He was a, a remarkable horse, and I knew that it was going to be very difficult for me to be able to get him. So when he when he said I could get him for you, I, I was pretty happy about that. Why do you call him a remarkable horse? His temperament was very nice. He was a you know, pretty gentle horse, but he was a fighter. He, you know, he, he really could find another gear, and he was very fast. On the next ride of passage, Matt and Silver weather the storms together for the third and final riding season. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Special thanks to podcast editor Rachel Ishikawa. The ride of passage theme was written and performed by Bob Scon. Thanks for listening. 